This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending megabucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel. We're above pit lane. It's the night before the 1000, and Bathurst is alive. It's wet, but alive. It's uh, an interesting time, Craig, one that... uh, Maybe we didn't foresee as much as we should have. The fact that uh, it's been a fantastic day, qualifying happened yesterday, but today the disappointment. Yes, and the rain that we've seen throughout the day. When I arrived here this morning, and I arrived here much later than you, Tony, at uh, about nine o'clock, there was just a light drizzle that was picking up, um, but then through the middle of the day it was quite dry. And it was interesting that supercars knowing what the forecast was for the day and the torrential rain that was planned for the end of the day they hadn't reacted or made a plan to bring the shootout forward so we have the grid set from provisional pole position being converted to a real pole position but it it just lacked that little detail and that finesse which i said to some people wouldn't have happened in mike raymond's day Right. He, he would have sent him out there uh, when he saw a window of opportunity. To be, to be fair, he was having a delayed telecast of the shootout because it used to run at 10 o'clock in the morning and shown at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And now it's a live event. But perhaps in a situation like this, they would have been better running it at you know, 12 o'clock, two o'clock, and then just tape delaying it for seven. And of course, Fox would have shown it live. Um, look, you know, I think um, it's very challenging in an environment like this, you know, um, just the topography of the circuit. Um, and when you have a weather event like that, with that amount of rain being dropped in a short period of time, with ground that's already water soaked, um, it's very hard to manage. Um, the council were always very proactive um, in, in you know, helping us with those situations. But, you know, it is a temporary street circuit. Um, you know, driveways and things have to be maintained um, for the residents. And, you know, you're on a, you've got some quite elevated ground that actually, you know, runs down to the circuit. So when you get that sort of volume and it's channeled down there, it, it's, it's very hard to manage. Um, so I don't think that a lot could be do, done to you know, improve that under those conditions. Knowing what the forecast was today, did you have any thoughts of maybe looking at the day and then trying to go whilst there was a drier patch in that earlier part 
of the day? Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah we obviously look at all, everything that we've got available to us. Once, you, once you're in, in motion with uh, you know, broadcast uh, as, and your schedules, it is very hard to change on the hop. You know, um, so that, that's, that's a difficult thing to, to do. So, um, you know, you, with weather, you know, you don't, you don't know. Um, and this place has its own sort of environment. Um, and as we saw, saw we, we thought we were going to be getting a lot more rain yesterday and, and, and this morning, and we didn't get it. But um, it certainly uh, coincided with, that, with the shootout time. So, you know, that was unfortunate. And for you and James, do you have any concerns that more rain overnight could affect us into tomorrow? Um, look, obviously, um, yeah, I think the forecast for tomorrow is, is improving. Um, we and the council will be doing some work overnight, just try making sure those drains are relieved from any debris, et cetera, that, that's been washed down in, into them. We'll look at trying to cut some you know, temporary um, drains just to help it dissipate off the circuit where you know, if the, the grass is uh, elevated above the, the, the asphalt there, just the, the things that are available for them to do. Um, and, uh, we'll, and then we'll obviously have to manage it on the day. Here's James Taylor, who was the race director and had the uh, tough job of saying go, or in this case, no go on the track. Um, fairly tough, but we best efforts were made to get it going and we were quite proactively trying to reschedule it. But Mother Nature's has beat us on this one. What people don't understand is the water feeds in from the paddocks and we were getting quelled. We thought we were going to achieve it until the second front came through, and that just basically damaged the works we are putting in place to correct it. Um, we can't beat Mother Nature, and we're just going to make sure the venue is perfectly safe, and everyone involved is going to be well protected and enjoy tomorrow's best efforts, I think. The different day, of course, did mean that um, a bunch of drivers who hadn't had the opportunity to have some dry running did get it. Some of the other drivers, such as the co-drivers didn't get the wet running that they wanted um, and some of them haven't been like a Jack Perkins and so on haven't had that wet running that they would like to have had they're not fearful of it but also it's something that they would like to have had it's so so we've ended up with a situation where the uh, provisional pole is now the pole winner in Cam Waters, who did an excellent job. He two or three times had to have another go at it, tried a couple of different sets of tyres to get there, but uh, certainly is a man who's capable of whether wet or dry to have done that. Yeah, I feel like I've done half the job. So, um, you know, yesterday was great being quickest in the wet. And um, yeah, that's obviously cool, but you know, you've still got the shootout to come. Um, but yes, respect the decision that they've made. Um, yeah, the shootout for me is probably one of the highlights of the year. I love, you know, getting into it and then putting it all on the line for a lap. Um, yeah, I find that pretty exciting and, and love it. But, uh, you know, obviously the water that was on the track was was crazy. Um, and for me, it's not really about, you know, the safety as much. You know, the drivers do drive to the conditions, but it's more about the cars. And um, in the shootout, you put it all on the line. It's our egos driving it a lot of the time. And, um, you know, if we end up in the fence and, and tear the car up and then not be able to race tomorrow, that's probably the bigger issue for, for me. So, um, yeah, we've got 28 cars starting the race tomorrow. And, um, you know, tomorrow's probably the, the bigger thing that we all want to win. In second position, doing an outstandingly good job is Lee Holdsworth, who has shone very brightly 
Uh, this year, he has had a number of very good meetings, had a couple of bad bad ones or not so good ones, but Lee Holdsworth is certainly going out in a high. He's announced his retirement from full-time. He's disappointed he didn't get that opportunity for a, another top 10 shootout and have the track to himself. His driver isn't having the track to himself. It's something else, isn't it, Craig? <laughs> it isn't. And here's his thoughts. Yeah, it's a little bit of an empty feeling for me. Um, I really wanted to have a crack at my last top 10 shootout and um, didn't get to do it, but... As Cam said, you know, they made the right call. Um, the, the track was ridiculously bad with the water, the rivers, and, um, you know, it was looking like it was probably possible to run it at the start, but then, as Shane said before, that, that next front started rolling in and um, it was it was back to being undrivable. So, yeah, our cars would probably be, you know, aquaplaning in third gear and we probably wouldn't have reached full throttle for the whole lap. So it wouldn't have been that entertaining for people to watch anyway but um yeah still a little bit empty um but but very happy to be starting off the front row the other person that was uh, will be in a top three position is Chas Mostert, of course, who was pole winner last year and with Lee Holdsworth. And it's, it's a wonderful synergy in the fact that they're both up there right in the top. The winners of the 2021 race in Chas Mostert and Lee Holdsworth. The water on the, the track was probably worrying, but the, the biggest thing in for a top 10 shootout you, is you just got no tire, the uh, car temp. Um, and these, these cars are quite sketchy in those conditions. So if it was just another qualifying if it was like another 20 minute qualifying or something like that and all 10 cars are on track together we'd have the time to build up to it and find where those safety things is but i thought the supercars did the right decision because for us 10 drivers to go out there on a warm-up lap with a cold car and then ask us to go and try and do something special in those conditions to try and beat each other uh, i think we would have found probably half the the 10 to be in trouble um and the other five probably would have been a bit more sensible and i probably would have been one of the fives that wasn't sensible so um yeah i'm happy with the, the call i think that the biggest thing just to add is he's listening to guys from supercars i think they're they're being proactive i mean it's a good idea to have a look out there now where that water's coming from and see if we can try and make those things better for tomorrow because um, we want to be trying to do as much green racing as we can. We have the situation though, a three point, a three position sword of Damocles that was hanging over Shane Van Gisberg. He obviously was thinking, well, the higher I get it up in the shootout, the better I'll be for the race tomorrow. But he doesn't get a chance to improve that position now and he cops for grid slots. There's three, 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 three grid slots, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's in fact back in seventh place, which is probably his last worst starting position at Bathurst in many years. But uh, as we all know, you don't need to, as, as Chas Mostert with Paul Morris back in 2014 demonstrated, Larry Perkins back in 1993. Well, he didn't start last, but he pitted on the first lap. Correct. Mm. And ended up last on the first lap. Yeah. yeah, the starting position is not, not highly relevant. It is not critical to your final success. Now, we've spoken about qualifying and the positions we have the cars in now, but I should mention that also coming up on the night before the 1000, we have a very special interview that Tony Whitlock sat down with the Arab motorsport team and Will Brown, Brody Kostecki, David Russell and also Jack Perkin all going to talk about their weekend up to the point Saturday morning and also Peter Zabiris who's having his first weekend as a team owner here at the mountain and he talks about his experience so far so that's still to come on Inside Supercars the night before the 1000. Tony what was also interesting is the rain didn't just affect the shootout it affected the 
Super 2 race and they still paid the Super 2 result even though I think they only did four laps of racing in total. Zach Best taking the win from Tyler Everingham and Matt Payne. Now I know that you've had opportunity to speak to the Grove Racing team and the, there's a reason why he's stepping up to the main game next year. Indeed, Matt Payne has uh, demonstrated well and truly that he is credentialed to be uh, racing in the main game and he he carries uh, a certain amount of uh, international experience and interestingly I also met uh, today the race engineer who's been on his Super 2 program, the young man called Jack Bell um, who's Alice McVean hired, uh, he started out um, as a uh, data engineer, but quickly and rapidly became, in fact, far more than that. And uh, it, it would be interesting to see if he becomes uh, the race engineer for Matt Payne in 2023, because mm -hmm. that's already been announced that Dave Reynolds and, and Matt Payne will be their drivers. Yep. So we'll hear now Zach Best's thoughts with his car. Well, well up the grid. Will he be looking forward to starting the race if the weather conditions on Sunday are anything like they were during the afternoon on Saturday? Well, the first one we had a, a fuel drama with the car, so I only did like 20 minutes. So I probably did four or five laps in the whole session. But yeah, just tried a few things and it didn't really work out for us, but comfortable in the car and felt like we've got a strong race car for tomorrow if it's dry. And naturally enough, that question was also asked to Tyler Everingham, who's running with Scott Pye and has been doing a fairly solid job in the Team 18 outfitting car number 20, Tony. Indeed, and I'm pretty certain that that team will be looking. They didn't get the qualifying result that they'd hoped for. They thought they'd get um, in Scott Pye and Mark Winterbottom. Both didn't do the best job that they could have, probably Team 18, whether it's a setup, whether it's the circumstances, but I'm sure that they will start start uh, full of confidence for a new day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have good confidence. I've uh, showed good pace in the Super 2 car, so it's um, just about moving that across to, to tomorrow. And then uh, Matt Payne, who we spoke about. Yeah, I mean, we've um, I've had a few laps this weekend. It's been pretty good, you know, in each co-driver session. Um, we've sort of... Um, Lee's obviously done a really good job putting us in the, the top 10 shootout, which was awesome. So, yeah, I mean, it's... It's going to be treacherous tomorrow. I don't know if it's wet or dry. No one knows. So, um, yeah, and I've done a few laps and I'm feeling pretty comfortable. So, yeah, we'll just see what happens. So, Tony, as you look back over the Saturday, the first time in, I think it was 44 years that the shootout has been around at the Bathurst 1000 that we won't have had the shootout deciding the pole. And that's pretty remarkable in its, of itself that the shootout has been able to go on under many, many conditions. Indeed, and the reliability of the format of the uh, used at the Bathurst 1000 and its predecessor in the Hardy Ferrodo 500, etc. Um, it has been uh, wonderful over many, many years. And, and obviously, as uh, many drivers have talked today about that opportunity for the track for themselves, that also the crowd loves watching that single car being able to concentrate on just the one car and see the way in which it tackles every corner of the track welcome to inside supercars it's uh, saturday morning top 10 shootout and two of the three blokes we're talking to at the moment the fourth one will join us shortly will brown Brody kostecki jack perkins and dave russell will be along and we're just wanting to talk about a qualifying b practice sessions to date so first of all will maybe you you made your second top 10 shootout and uh, well done and uh, with Richie already up there and Brody was there, 
um, you put the triumvirate, the three of the uh, Erebus cars in the ten, which is pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty cool for, uh, I didn't know at the time that all three of us were in there, but, uh, you know, I was pretty stoked with 10th. Uh, that's a pretty nerve-wracking thing when you get told you're 10th with a minute or two to go, you think you'll get knocked out. So, um, yeah, to end up 10th was really good. Uh, I think, you know, we've got a little bit more in the car than what uh, than what ended up uh, happening yesterday. But, um, yeah, looking forward to the shootout this afternoon. I think it'll be wet and, and really interesting. But, yeah, it's bloody cool for Boost and everyone to have uh, three cars in the top 10. Brody, I, I know you wouldn't have, well, you might have actually heard Cam talking about how he was giving Courtney some lines, some, some ideas on where to drive on the track, which direction, because he was going the wrong places. Yeah, it was a bit sort of tricky out there. There was a lot of different lines going on. Um, this is probably, um, it's been really hard in the wet this year because they, um, you know, resealed the track leading up to the event. So um, it was a bit sort of different. And, um, you know, when the wet line, you know, when it usually rains, usually runs sort of a bit of a different line. But, um, you know, because of the track sealer, we were sort of running a bit on the race line in some spots and some spots not. So... Yeah, it was sort of a bit tricky out there, and um, yeah, it was good to obviously have all three cars um, in the shootout, and it's a credit to the, you know, to the whole team for, um, you know, prepping three fast cars on the wet and also the dry, because you know we've been up there, um, you know, in the dry running as yeah. well. So, yeah, it should be pretty exciting leading up to the shootout, and then you know, obviously we have you know today to get through, which is Saturday, and two two practice sessions coming up in the shootout, and um, it's it's tomorrow that counts. So um, yeah, we'll uh, see what happens. Indeed, Jack, and you're a nine with Will. Um, you've been in this position before, starting a car in the, the top ten, but um, well, maybe I'm assuming you're starting, but anyway, to, to come out, um, you had not super wet running, but you did have some wet running. I actually didn't, Tony. I didn't. Oh. I didn't drive the car in the wet. The team focus was uh, the session before, no matter what the conditions were, to let the primary drivers uh, get ready for qualifying. So. Um, that, that doesn't phase me. I mean, we raced here in 2017 in the wet, and I, I enjoy driving in the wet, so it doesn't freak me out. And as the boys proved, the cars are pretty quick in the wet too. So um, there might be a chance for some wet running in the practice sessions today um, before the shootout. But if not, you know, if it's a, if it's a race, then so be it. But the forecast is kind of improving, and you know, it's suggesting dry conditions for a majority of the race. But what it will be will be the same for everyone, so we just do do our best. Yeah, indeed. And we'll, um, of course, there's a fairly big rebuild after New Zealand. Um, the guys have done a pretty fantastic job turning it around. Yeah, it was, it was ruined after New Zealand. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was really bad. So um, it was a, a virtually new car then? Well, from, from pretty much roll hoop back to new yeah, car. Yeah, um, yeah. So but yesterday's was not major. Luckily not. It, was, yeah. uh, it could have been, but uh, I got away with that quite luckily. Um, that was just completely my fault, so... Um, yeah, it was a bit disappointing after the team had done so much work to then, you know, crash again yesterday, but it was just uh, one of those things. It's just to just touch a white line and it was gone. Um, but, yeah, the boys have done a great job to, to rebuild the car and then what they did yesterday before qualifying was phenomenal. So, um, yeah, to even for us to even be in that top ten, not on pace, but just, you know, from car rebuilding and all that's been pretty cool. Dave Russell's joined us. Um, Dave, uh, you had a terrific uh, second session, I think it was, in the car, the all-co-driver all session. Um, put the car in second place and obviously set the tone with the car that Brody was then able to use and then use really on the wet. This is the second year running, you've been with Brody and the team, and obviously very comfortable. Yeah, for sure. You know, anytime you, you know, you back up and, and you're there second year, just sort of, you know, thing, things that gelled in the previous year, you can sort of, you know, the, the aim is to just try and, you know, pick up where you left off and um, for us it was, yeah, it was good to just get comfortable in the car again and from the first session getting a couple of laps in and just getting into a bit of a groove just allowed us 
the opportunity in, in you know in that co-driver session just get in get comfortable with the car make a couple of little changes with George and with Brody and and uh, yeah press on a little bit okay George yeah. Commons of course is the engineer on 99 and Tom Moore is on 9 as is the case for the last couple of years you've been with him yeah, well, since I started with Erebus, uh, you know, in uh, 2021, the start of last year, but uh, also Tom did a little bit of engineering with me in 2020 in the Super 2 program, and we both stepped up together, so, yeah, yep. Tom's doing a great job. Okay. Um, now, obviously, uh, Dave and Jack weren't in the cars, but it was a pretty thrilling session. Y- you guys were only just driving it. These guys were watching it, um, but for a lot of people, it was one of the best wet sessions I've ever seen qualifying here at Bathurst. Yeah, it's always good to watch, you know, like the boys talked about different lines and things and basically the drivers need to, you know, find the grip and, and maximise the conditions and it's funny, you know, um, there's guys like Richie Stanaway, for example, that seemed to always shine in these conditions, um, but, uh, you know, it was I thought what was most impressive is no one actually brought out a red flag, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it just shows that the, the top drivers are out there. Um, and yeah, it's good to watch, you know, sometimes you think you need to be out there at the end, but the rain kind of picked up with about four minutes to go, and not many people actually improved right at the end, so, oh, it's good to watch, and whenever you make the shootout and you're not in the car, it's pretty easy. <laughs> I, I think there was a bit of tyre conservation going on, but it, it seemed, because a few people came in and just repressured tyres, they didn't actually change to a, a new wet, you, when, did you just use one set throughout, Brody? Um, I ran two sets, so um, yeah, I struggled quite a bit on my first set, um, and um, changed to a second set and found quite a bit of a gain on those. So um, yeah, sort of a, it, it was a bit sort of interesting. You kind of had to go through some of your tyre sets, um, I believe, and sort of work out which ones were your best and you know which ones that weren't. So don't know when these tyres were made, but they're probably 12 months old. So it just depends on where they sort of sat um, in someone's workshop, really. Yeah, yeah, and will. One or two? Yeah, I was very similar. We um, so you can if you if you bought brand new ones before here, you can bring them. So we brought a set, and and, um, and then we also bought a couple here. So the ones we brought from the workshop, I went out on, and I think I was about ten seconds off the pace, and I I thought something was still broken in the car. So that was very interesting. And then uh, I said to Tom, I think we should pit after about two laps and put some others on. And then the second set was really good, able to drop jump back up into that sort of top ten in tenth and ninth, and then you know put on a third set at the end there, which um which we ended up getting into that top ten, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a hard one around here because I think a lot of people, you know, I, I didn't end up putting a bad set lap together, but it's like Brody. I think he was like eight tenths off his collective, so it shows that we can go a lot quicker. We just need to put a lap together. Okay. In the last ten or so years, there have been, you know, Motorsport Australia has supposedly done a lot of moves along with the um, track officials here to improve the safety. I mean, as Dave was probably the one who drove here first, when was the first time you raced here? Oh, t- yeah, like. 2000. Right, okay. Years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, You know, there were a couple of very large, nasty and dangerous, and, you know, a couple of people died up the top. From your point of view, when it was really wet, how how was the information coming to you? Obviously an engineer on the phone, but in terms of flags and things like that, were you able to see all the flag points? Um, It was a little bit hard to see some of the flag points, just with, um, you know, how the mist from, you know, if there was a car in front of you, it's pretty much impossible to see... Because um, the, the water picked yeah, up, yeah, yeah, because you know the mist goes about you know three times the car height. But um, yeah, I think um, you know Motorsport Australia and um, I guess the local council have done a really good job of adding some lights, um, some you know um, sort of traffic lights that are you know that you can see above the mist. So they've um, you know I'm not sure how long they've been here, but um, I never saw any of those lights. Um, obviously, it wasn't close to a crash or whatnot last year, but they were really helpful 
um, you know, when the 96 got turned around, because um, you you know, you could see those lights quite clearly, which yep. are blind corners. So, um, yeah, that was, you know, clear as day that, you know, it was, um, you know, double yellows going to those sectors. So, um, yeah, I think that's been a, you know, a really good improvement. I'm not, I'm not sure when that's been put in, but, yeah, it's, you know, some of the flag spots are pretty sort of um, hard to see, um, you know, because they are on the left and the right-hand side of the track, um, and it's out of your vision, and, you know, the, there was rivers running across the track, so you're spending a lot of your time looking forwards, trying to, you know, make sure you're not going to drive through a river and rot your car off. The last nasty one was uh, when Chris Pither, some years ago, I suppose 10, 12 years ago now, when he T-boned Paul Wheel, me the great. He got, I know I, I remember the footage vividly from the uh, Team Kiwi car he was in and um, got very little warning um, that there was a car on the track and a yellow flag. Uh, did you find any problems, any of those sort of spots? You're trying to scare us out of the race? No, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm, <laughs> trying, to, I'm trying to give people an idea about what it's like out there, you know I mean? You know, people uh, driving behind a, you know, a B-double, for instance. I think on, where, right. where you're talking about, Tony, is the thing about when you drop down to the grate, because there's a curve about it, yep. the spray isn't as bad as when you're on a straight. So, yep. for example, the straight between McPhillamy and Skyline lights up. It's a whiteout. Yeah, it's, it's a whiteout when you go down Conrad Straight. It's a whiteout when you go up Mountain Straight. So... The parts where it's a bit more undulating though and drops away, the mist from and spray from the other cars is nowhere near as bad. So where you're talking about where the flaggies are and the lights, it's actually not too bad there because they're all up on the fence out of where the I guess that vortex of spray that will go through, you'll you know, you'll be able to see the lights quite yeah. quite Because at that particular point I remember vividly when coming up out of the cutting and then you're turning right. And your natural eye line is looking straight ahead, and you're not looking over here where they they claimed there was a, a, a yellow flag being waved, and unfortunately, really, you really couldn't see it because your eye line doesn't follow that way. You know, yeah. So things have improved in that way, Brody. Then, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, there's been lots of arguments, you know, about this across the years with, um, you know, flags, and I guess you know, crashes across the top. But yeah, it's hard to be in the driver's perspective of, you know, this is one of the. You know, this is probably the hardest truck in the world to do a lap at and, um, you know, to do 100% lap at. So, um, and especially in the race as well, when you end on end trying to, you know, drive as hard as you can and um, you make one mistake and, you know, your race is over type thing. So it is hard to see some of the flag points here, but yeah, I think the lights that they put in are, you know, absolutely fantastic. And I think that's taken that element away. It's, it's always in your, you know, the driver's vision, you know, where you're looking. So yeah, I think even, um, you know, wheels practice, you know, when he went in, um, um, unfortunately, we have to talk about Will's car here, but yeah, yeah there was, yeah. you know, yeah, there right. was, you know, where he was parked was, you know, it's, it's completely blind, but yes. you know, he was parked out of the road. But if he crashed, you know, in onto the track, I saw three sets of yellow lights before I got there. Yeah. But if you know, if a if a flaggy was waving a flag, oh, you know, I, you know, wouldn't have known. Yeah, as you said, Jack, the the one great thing was that there we had this session, fifty minute, forty minute session, qualifying, and no red flags from it and it's tantamount to the standard of the driving. Yeah, because we saw in the support categories just safety cars on safety cars. Admittedly, they're racing, so it's a lot different. But, um, yeah, you'd suspect, um, you know, that they're, they're, there's a high chance of a, a red flag, more so than the dry. Um, there was an altercation later in the session with Shane and Macaulay-Jones, but other than that, you know, everyone basically kept it on the island, and um, it's a testament to the drivers. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's encouraging for you, I imagine, that... Um, you know, the days of 55 car grids is, is long gone. And one of the great problems with that, there were far too many people who should not have been out there. 
Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And, you know, in years gone by, you'd have pre-qualifying and split qualifying sessions with the bottom 50% and the upper 50%. But nowadays, there's sort of 25, 26 cars on the grid and most of them have got a chance to, to, to be contenders, really. Um, you know, once you're in the race, you're in the race. And, and most of these guys are all pretty handy steerers. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a testament to where the category's got to. And, you know, hopefully... Um, Hopefully the, the, the racing is similar, you know, it's potentially going to have mixed conditions. You might be on a wet track that's drying and making the switch to slicks when it's not, you know, perfectly dry and all those sorts of things. So you just got to play the play to the conditions. Brody, you're leading the race and there's uh, 15 laps to go and that you've heard on the radio that uh, this is Will Brown called Catching You Fast. You, there's no team instructions, you're out there racing, uh, what's going to happen? Fuck him. <laughs> You know, it depends what happened if you know if other cars are catching us, which they won't be because we'll be a lap ahead of the field by then. Yep. <laughs> no, it's um, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll uh, race each other out to the end. So yeah. uh, you know, as long as we don't take take each other both out. I mean, you know, one of us other. can yeah, one of us can take one of us out. But yeah. As long as we don't take <laughs> both of us out. No, I think um, Baz would be pretty upset if you know one of the cars didn't come home if we were to come one too. So let's put it this way: I think we're smart enough to not do that. Yeah, so, uh, I, you know, I'm pretty we'll sure you are. Now. I mean, yeah. one of the interesting things is, and I've known all of you varying degrees. Him the longest, of course. Him back in the days of protons and, and wonderful things like that. <laughs> the, the interesting thing is, you all have motorsport involved in your backgrounds, um, all in varying degrees. And, you know, obviously you're a fast quartet, so I wish you all the very best and look forward to seeing you in a press conference afterwards. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, good. Thanks, Tony. Thanks to Aeros Motorsport. Tony Whitlock, I'm here with Peter Zaveris of Premier Air Racing, Coca-Cola and Subway, the sponsors of the team. Yep. Peter, um, it's a very different Bathurst for you in 2022 because no longer are you just cars out there, it's your team. Yeah, um, probably like a lot of other, um, you know, petrol heads I suppose I've been watching coming to Bathurst for, for as long as I can remember probably at least 40 years worth so for 40 years I've come here as a fan and just just loved it and and this year it's it's different because I'm still here as a fan to be up front but yeah you, you've got the extra added responsibilities of I suppose owning and, and make sure a team runs and and um, yeah no it's it's uh, so far it's so good well, the terrific thing would appear, well and truly, that, um, you know, your you two cars, one's uh, in 13th qualified, I think, yep, yep. Um, with James and Dylan, and Dylan's been going very well on Porsches as well. Um, so they seem to be on top of things, um, and Jeff Slater joining them. And on the other side, you've got uh, Chris Pither yep. and uh, Cameron Hill. Yep, yep. And they too, while they're not in the inside the 20s, yep. they're not far away. No, no. So basically, we... The, the, one of the beauties of being a two-car team is you can try different things. Yep. Um, so obviously, whatever we tried on 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 the subway cars helped get it up, up the path a little bit further. Um, but this is all about learning, trying things, seeing what what works for the car, what works for the driver. Um, so yeah, we just we're just using this to to learn and and hopefully we can apply a lot of this for for tomorrow. Like. The way I see it, I, I, you know, I don't remember anyone winning, you know, this race on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. They, they, you can only win it on Sunday. So we'll put our best foot forward tomorrow, and uh, hopefully we can we can be there on lap 161. And you never know where where we find ourselves. Indeed, I, I I've heard a few people say that car 31 could be a smoky. So 
you know, it, um, it's interesting in itself. You know, look, he's, look, he's definitely got the pace. Just as you said before, both drivers, you know, they're, they're, they sort of, A, they're similar in size, they get on well, they, they work well together. Um, I believe, um, you know, the more, the more Ks that Dylan's been doing in the car, you can just see that he's, he's growing in, in confidence and, and um, you know, and his performance is just getting better and, and so is Jimmy. So, no, no, look, there's, we, we hold some high hopes there. And, and, but same thing in, in the co-car. Like Chris, Chris is a seasoned campaigner. Um, we've got Chris Hill. Uh, sorry. Cameron Hill. Cameron Hill. Yep. As much as Cameron is fairly new, like this is his first year in, in Super 2, um, he's put in a, you know, he's doing a great effort in Super Two, and um, yeah, him stepping up to the main game, I think he's, do, I think he's doing a great thing, and I, I you know, I reckon he'll, he'll do really well tomorrow as well. Now you've got a, a couple of fairly key people also in your group, in Matty Cook, who's a very yep. experienced and yep. worked in all sorts of different categories and brings knowledge of the Triple Eight way of doing things. Yep. And you've also got another person that's joined your little table that was there a couple of times this year, and Ken Douglas. Yeah, Kenny Douglas, young Kenny. Now, yeah. Kenny, um, Kenny is a, a, you know, a master in strategy. Yep. Um, so when the opportunity came to that we could we could grab Kenny here, he was he was definitely uh, a guy that we wanted to have on our team. So no, look, it's like I said, look from from where, when we started in Sydney at the beginning of this year, which seems almost a, a lifetime ago. Yep. Um, We've we've come. We are we are a totally different team today. We've come leaps and bounds. Um, hopefully, the scoreboard reflects that. And um, you know, I think you know, I, I think we've got a, as good a chance as anyone else. Um, you know, come tomorrow. Well, one of the best build-ups ever is to have your best for the year in your last event, which is what Pukukoi was. Yeah. So that's absolutely a fucking wonderful thing. Like I said, I swore, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a wonderful thing to happen yeah. for, for, for the confidence of everyone involved. Yeah, well, even like on, on Thursday, the first practice session, you know, um, whether, I don't know, whether everyone was trying or not, whatever, but we we were, um, you know, James put it on, on it was P2. So... Even though it didn't mean nothing on Thursday, but it was a massive confidence boost, you know. Like so, the team—you could just see that the, the confidence in the team lift, and everyone was just, everyone just seemed to be walking you know, taller and working faster. And um, yeah, it, it, it was a—it was a great thing to see and watch. Can you see? And I'm not asking for sales figures or anything. Can you see a direct relationship between your own business, Premier, mm-hmm. and your involvement as a race team? Uh, this this is a it's a massive key that unlocks opportunities. Right. So there's a lot of business that gets up, you know, that gets done up and down pit lane here, and and um, you know, people like doing business with either people they like, or if there's some interest, or you know. So definitely, there's a lot of people who who love motor racing. Um, all of a sudden, want to want to talk to you and want to do business with you. So no, it's it's a uh, Highly recommend it. It's good. Well, wonderful, Peter Beers of Premier Racing. Thank you so much, and all the very best for a great weekend. And look forward to uh, catching up with you uh, uh, maybe at the Gold Coast. Thank you very much.
Well, that's certainly a, a very good uh, forecast of what's to come tomorrow. What the weather will bring will obviously be the other intangible at this stage. We know that it's going to be raining at some stage tomorrow, but we're not certain as to whether it's a dry afternoon or a dry morning. It'll all come clear when you turn on your televisions and your radios to listen in to the Bathurst 2022 race. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. Sort of paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.